if you'd like to listen to the full episode, please subscribe to our newsletter called Venture Notes. And before going into the episode today, here are some benefits about being a Venture Notes Premium member. First of all, do you know that Premium members get their NFT member pass? This NFT will open the door to private access to events, content, and so much more yet to be designed. It's a long journey. The first 50 member access pass collection could be considered as the OG collection, the Genesis collection. And second of all, Premier members are also invited to join our early stage startup syndicate called Olive Capital, where we mostly support pre-seed to Series A startups in the EU and in the US in B2B SaaS, crypto and consumer tech. We are embracing the model of a media-driven early stage investor. Please note that Olive Capital does not provide financial advice. You need to carefully consider your own financial situation and take a risk diversification approach. While the return profiles looks attractive, members are aware that venture capital is a very difficult asset class where all the invested capital is at risk. And now let's move into the show. Even more startup founders are onboarding in their cap table non-traditional VC firms in the form of solo GPs via nano funds or syndicates. Most of the time, these solo GPs are operators investors, meaning that they have a dual profile. On one hand, they run their startups or are part of a fast-growing startup as a key hire, and on the other hand, they are growing a deal flow and a community of founders and LPs, which allow them to raise a nano fund or develop a syndicate. Over the past three years, we have been witnessing this increasing population of such solo GPs. Still, some operators with this potential profile have not launched yet for various reasons. They are unsure about their value add, they are unsure about how to structure it, they are unsure about quality and repeatability of their deal flow, and many other questions. That is why I am launching, with the help of OnDeck, a short series called Solo GP Series to help you kickstart your thinking about becoming an operator investor Solo GP. One word about OnDeck. OnDeck is where top technology talents and ambitious builders go to start or join something new or accelerate their careers. They are building two things, a private goal-driven network platform and a new approach to continuous online education. I am myself a non-deck fellow in the podcasting fellowship. If you want to kickstart, accelerate your project or just want to figure out what's next for you, consider joining OnDeck at beondeck.com. B-E-O-N-D-E-C-K dot com. In this short solo GP series, you will understand how to identify you actually have a deal flow and how to develop and nurture it, the tipping point to launch as a solo GP, how to craft a compelling thesis, how to build an LP community, plus so much more. If you'd love to learn more about how to become a solo GP, look for this upcoming series on VentureNotes.co, our private newsletter, where we will share the full episodes while we just published a 15-minute excerpt on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I am myself in the process of launching my solo GP pre-seed seed fund, Olive Capital, focusing on Web 2.0 and Web 3 European founders, driving change in the way we create, collaborate and communicate. If you are raising funds, send us your deck. We are also building a platform with scouts, ecosystem partners, talents for our portfolio companies, and we are organizing LP dinners in cities, part of our ecosystem. If you want to learn more, head to olivecapital.vc olivecapital.vc In this first episode of the Solo GP series podcast, we get to know Victor Lee, repeat founder with Inoki Bathhouse, an e-commerce company, and Onova, a corporate innovation company. Victor is also an Andec Angels fellow and a Solo GP. About a year ago, Victor launched the Winning Together Fund, a microfund with a true community DNA investing in early-stage startups. In this four-part episode, 
Victor shares with us a considerable amount of insights and actionable pieces of advice while driving us through how and why he became an entrepreneur, how he started investing, his initial source of deal flow, his first checks and first investment decisions, how he started to add value to the startups he has been backing, his long-term versus short-term objectives of being a solo GP, how his thesis was becoming clearer along the way, why Victor is building an incentivized LP community, how to balance between being an operator and an investor, plus so much more. I am sure you will love this episode. Let's get right in. In this first part, we learn who Victor is and what he is building with Inoki Bathhouse, an e-commerce company, and Onova, a corporate innovation company. Awesome. Thanks, Raf, and uh, really excited to be here and chatting about my experience as Solo GP and a bit more about myself. So I'm a founder first, a uh, serial entrepreneur, started my career in, uh, in trying to build a tech startup after graduating university in applied mathematics and engineering. And long story short, it failed after about a year, uh, but learned a ton along the way and eventually used that to pivot into corporate consulting. So for me, I had done startups. I worked for a couple of startups at that point, tried to found, uh, start my own, which didn't work out. Want to get, get and understand the experience of what it was like working in the corporate world. Uh, realized probably a month into that experience working for a large consulting firm that I did not want to stay in the corporate world. So for me, the rest of my experience at that company was about how do I position myself to build up the skills that I need and the network to then serve as a launching pad for the next company I start. So I ended up staying at that company for about three years. Uh, in the last year and a half of it or so, I started running uh, hackathons and just working uh, with a coworker of mine on the side. We turned that actually into our full-time role within the company, basically raising funds internally from leaders to build what was essentially hackathon as a service at the time. And we developed the business model, got a really uh, good set of traction through early clients like McDonald's and HSBC. And essentially, we eventually spun it off into our own firm, which is now one of the main companies I'm working on called Onova. So it's an innovation consulting firm where we help Fortune 500 companies uh, basically come up with ideas for new products and services through hackathon-like projects. So we call them innovation sprints. And then we help them figure out how to take those ideas to market through setting up things like internal corporate incubators. Think like a YC or 500 stars model, but within a large company. Um, so that's the main company that I'm running. The other company, which really sort of kickstarted last year uh, in the height of the pandemic, is an e-commerce company called Anoki Bathhouse. So Anoki uh, Bathhouse really started when my co-founder uh, had read a trend article about uh, the the basic explosion of forest bathing as a trend in North America. Um, it inspired her to think about how do we recreate this bathhouse spa experience. Uh, at home when a lot of us are struggling through uh, mental stress, uh, fatigue, anxiety, and just working remotely for the most part. And both of us had been to a lot of bathhouse spas in Asia. So, uh, and, and it's nothing like the spas that you'll see here in North America. And fun fact, we're actually in Asia right now in Bali, Indonesia for the next few months. Um, but essentially, she, she had kind of built out the website. We started selling these tea-based bath kits to recreate the bathhouse spa experience at home. So imagine large tea bags that you'll steep and throw into your bathtub that's good for your skin. It smells really nice. Um, and it's paired up with things like a Spotify playlist, candles, tea for drinking, etc. cetera. Uh, she eventually went viral on TikTok with it after posting a few videos and now amassing over 100K followers. So that really exploded the demand. And has been a really fun learning journey and learning curve for us for 
uh, since we'd never done anything in e-commerce before. Um, and lastly, I mean, of course, on the side, uh, and I know we'll get into this, but uh, I started the investment fund, my very first fund last year, about almost a year ago from now. And that's about 80% deployed this time, actually putting in the works for fund too. Uh, we'll get more into logistics of it. But outside of work-wise um, and building investing companies, uh, I love to play poker, something I've been doing since 16. And a big dream and goal of mine was uh, last year for the very first time, got to play at the World Series of Poker in Vegas. So that was a dream come true, sitting next to uh, some co-poker players, playing with them, and uh, definitely plan to be back this year. Um, but that's a little bit about me. In this second part, Victor shares with us how he started investing, his initial source of deal flow, his first checks and first investment decisions, and how he actually started to add value to the startups he has been backing as an angel. Yeah, I, I think my journey as an investor is probably similar to other angel investors out there, which was just through investing. My first few checks were just in friends who were starting companies. So at this time, and this was a couple of years ago where uh, I started to have a couple of friends who were raising early rounds or family and friends round and letting me know. And I didn't have a thesis at this point. I didn't really have any sort of framework that I applied to how I invested. Um, my pure decision-making was, this is somebody I've known for, let's say five, 10, 15 years. And I have a lot of conviction and belief in this friend, especially some of these friends who I've seen tinkering and trying many other startups in the past. Um, and, and, and starting to hit some level of traction or product market fit with their latest idea uh, that they would start to raise around. So those are my first few checks. Um, and really, I think, and, and I'm lucky enough that one of those happened to be Copy AI, which has been a, a tear recently. Um, so really good friends with the CTO uh, of Copy AI. But um, I just genuinely got really excited about the opportunity to back and invest my closest friends. Um, and regardless for me, it was, it wasn't necessarily about making money, but just kind of like a vote of confidence, vote of support for them. And I know for me, especially because when I was starting, uh, for example, Onova many years ago, um, the same network of friends, when I was telling that, when I was telling them, they came in and chimed in with the exact same level of support, which is, Hey, who do you, uh, what do you need co-founders? Do you need connections to partners? How can we help you? Do you need money? Do you need investment? So it was just about. Uh, sort of giving back and uh, I felt lucky to kind of have the opportunity at the time. Um, since then and how that's fed into, uh, I guess we, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the natural or the progression from that initial source of deal flow and what was the eventual trigger for me to start a fund. So when I decided to start a fund, um, it wasn't necessarily one uh, tipping or one, one factor that really made the tipping point. So it wasn't that all of a sudden I had just a ton of uh, deal flow that I could not write checks to and invest in personally that I wanted to start a fund. To be honest, I actually didn't have a ton of deal flow. I had friends who were founders, but it was maybe every couple months. So it wasn't like I was getting dozens and dozens of deals come across my table uh, every month. But it was a mix of starting to recognize that it was starting to pick up where I was starting to have more founders starting to be and, and get access to friends who were becoming founders and some initial deal flow. Um, two, it was from talking to the vast majority of my network who isn't in, uh, who aren't in startups or tech, but having a, a, a pretty strong interest in wanting to invest in startups. Um, so it was, it was that gap. 
Um, and then lastly, sort of my own journey of going through and, and, and Raf, you and I talked about this, where I had been a part of a few angel investing communities at this point. And one thing I kind of noticed as a trend is that after a few months of this, uh, of the community going on, and there was really great collaboration and interaction, you have people sharing deals, you have people discussing due diligence analysis, eventually, and without fail, all of them just died down and just went silent. And something that I really value those conversations, but something that I uh, recognizes and, and my, my hypothesis here was that there just wasn't enough incentivization alignment to keep that momentum going. Um, it was work for people to share their deal flow with these other uh, in, investors or in these groups. They weren't necessarily getting anything additional. I mean, they were building, let's say, rapport and building their own. Uh, and, and there's a lot of this in the investor world where if you share a hot deal with others, you're building respect and then they're more incentivized to give you de- deal flow eventually down the line as well. But otherwise, it wasn't, there wasn't really strong incentive alignment here. So that was, uh, for me, is thinking, how do I manufacture that? And that's all of those things kind of aligned to essentially wanting to start a fund, um, but not really having any knowledge or being a fund manager before then, went into eventually um, going through this journey of learning about what it means to be a fund manager, what it means to have an investment thesis even what, what is carry and what are management fees. Um, so learning all of that literally a year ago, uh, didn't know a lot of these terms. So, so a couple of the other checks that I wrote that were my first few checks, one was actually an LP in another fund. Um, so it was through an entrepreneurial fellowship that, uh, that I was actually myself a part of. So this was a trust in the fund managers who are my, my fellow fellows, um, without, knowing exactly what companies that they were going to invest in beforehand. Um, the other company, two other companies, uh, one is called Airhouse. Um, so specifically for me as an e-commerce founder, it just made a lot of sense. So this is more space specific, um, but it just made a lot of sense. It was solving a pain point for myself and actually has now fed into something that's become more part of my investment thesis where I've come to realize I am a lot more excited about deals that I am a customer of myself uh, for companies where I'm a customer of myself. And it's not very limiting because the surface area of things as an entrepreneur, I can both be a bit, uh, a B2B customer as a product for tools that will help me in building my own companies, uh, but also B2C in my personal life. Uh, so it's not limiting in terms of the, the surface area of deals I could potentially invest in, but it's helped a ton of, from understanding and empathizing with their end customer and their end market, um, as well as being able to genuinely test and try their product to see if it actually fits and solves my own need. Um, and thirdly, also be, just being able to be a top supporter and potentially refer. I mean, if it solves my own need, I probably know at least half a dozen or a dozen other founders uh, that could also use that product. So uh, I've seen that for myself where I've just referred it to a ton of other uh, founders I know if it ends up being like a really phenomenal B2B product. Um, So those were a couple of the other early checks. Um, Quick side story as well on the fund that I was an LP in, because part of that story is a bit of a background to why I started my fund as well, because, and this will get into sort of the structure and more of the cost and the the legal side of setting up a fund, especially, and this is good to know for a first time fund manager. Um, when, When I decided I wanted to start a fund, I spent the next one to two months just learning everything I could 
about what it takes to be a fund manager. What are the, all the different structures you can do um, legally? Like who, who should you work with? What lawyer should you hire, et cetera? And talking, so the first thing I did was actually talk to friends who started funds and talk to the, the managers of the fund that I was already an LP in uh, to better understand. And one of the things that happened is actually the fund that I was an LP in, essentially, um, most of the profits of the fund, it did end up generating a return, but a lot of that ended up being eaten up because of a crude, uh, late or, or misfiled uh, tax returns. So uh, without getting into too much detail, that ended up eating at a ton of the returns because it was just done incorrectly. So one of my biggest learnings through my research process was to go with one of the trusted sort of platforms, whether it's AngelList or Sure, um, or uh, there's a couple other options out there. Instead of trying to do it on your own, it's possible to do it on your own, um, but I've seen where that can also backfire and ends up being really costly to your LPs. And I was, I, I, I had the brunt of that in a fund that I was an investor in where we basically, it basically depleted most of the returns because of a mistake that was made. Thank you for listening to this trailer. And if you'd like to listen to the full episode, please subscribe to our newsletter called Venture Notes. And amongst a few other things, such as discount codes to events and tools, you get early access to our upcoming podcast agenda and full replays. See you very soon on Venture Notes, venturenotes.co.